Okay, so it's Saturday, the 5th of October. Man, this trip uh, is flying. I'm just walking into Recreation Park, where I believe the carousel is located. A lot of people from the fest are, are meeting there. I mean, you will have heard by now the interviews and so on from yesterday. What a great day. What a great day meeting everybody putting faces to names, getting to shake people by the hands who I've spoken to for years. And the kindness that people have shown me here is just insane. You know, gifts from friends of the show, uh, like Andy gave me a um, a T-shirt with one of the common phrases that I use on the podcast all the time on it. And then a friend of the show, Roger, gave me a, like a customised mug. And, you know, the, the kindness is, is just insane. And it's a beautiful day here in Binghamton. And I'm going to walk down to the carousel and, uh, and meet, up, meet up with everybody. So who knows, maybe I'll catch a few words from people while we're there. We are here in Recreation Park. We're next to the carousel, but I'm here with two really long-time friends of the show, Al Shardsma of the Alfred Hitchcock present. No, not Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> presents. What, what's your podcast called uh, again? Al? It's presenting Alfred Hitchcock presents. There you presents. go. There you go. And Roger Scarlett, who's been a long-time friend of the show for many, many years. How's Absolutely. it going, Roger? Great. Good to be here. How's your sailing fest going? Awesome. It's wonderful. I mean, it's great to to see so many people that you know you connect with online or you yeah. listen to in podcasts, and you actually get to talk to them face to face. Yeah. And you know, picking up some new things that you didn't know about as long as you've been involved and in knowing about Twilight Zone and, and Rod Serling. But there's always more to learn. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yesterday, uh, we had a, a reading of the Happy Place. Now, I've always tried to get hold of that. You just can't get hold of it. I don't think it. I don't think it's out out there online or anything like that. You caught the show out, didn't I you? I did, yes. How, how was it? It was great. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed by it. Uh, I knew sort of the general plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's written up in like the Twilight Zone Companion and some other places. Yeah. So I knew that there was uh, this society where people were euthanized when they hit a certain age. Yeah. I also... Um, sort of remember the ending i think that was revealed somewhere uh-huh. um, but other than that a lot of it was just new to me and and it's just fascinating to you know to hear that surly dialogue and yeah, yeah and and the way he pieced it all together because the first section when you see what happens with the 60 plus people yeah that's their age 60 plus um who are euthanized at the beginning you start to think well Who's the main character here? What's yeah, this going yeah. to be all about? Um, and then it becomes the main character essentially becomes the guy who's in charge of that euthanasia center, which yeah. is really fascinating because he's not likable at all or, uh-huh. or, you know, identifiable at all. And yet, to a certain extent, you're sort of forced to identify with him. Hmm. Um, just because of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, his father is clearly much more... Um, uh, endearing you know but yeah, yeah. but still you know you start to feel him 
in this dilemma that he's in and he makes essentially all the wrong choices uh-huh. <laughs> you know which is fascinating yeah so i can see why cbs didn't want to do it particularly in 1958 <laughs> yeah. can you imagine that would have been something if they had to no put way. that on <laughs> never yeah. would have got a sponsor but yeah. they they got um they the guy who was doing the the narration and the um the kind of staging parts, you know, the camera pans here. He his voice was just great, wasn't it? And yes. when he was doing his sailing, it was really good. Yes, he was very good. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, and, and and listening to, uh, I tried to keep my eyes closed and just put myself in, you know, uh-huh. as opposed to because you're just watching guys that are reading it basically. Yeah. So I closed my eyes, and just you could just hear Rod all over that. Yeah. And you could also pick up some of the themes that ended up in some of the Twilight Zone episodes, uh-huh. like the obsolete man you know and and, and a few others yeah and as one of the cast members mentioned afterwards one of the characters name is denton yeah so once again he's using names right he used that name again you know it's interesting to see how he recycles things exactly because he does that all the time doesn't he and there's lots of mentions of the state the state so it was very much like you know i have to behold a kind of right uh talk so yeah Yeah. absolutely so yeah i have a a lot of experience in theater i'm a playwright Uh and i've actually had a lot of readings over the years so that sort of scenario was not unusual to me Hmm. but it can be difficult i think for some people yeah i thought they did a pretty good job it was nice that they had a few props yeah and they had a few sort of light costumes to you know the guy wore a doctor's coat and yeah because so you, you do sort of help you do have to kind of tune into it don't you and concentrate because yeah. it's easy to just lose use your, your train of thought if you don't like keep tabs on it but i think i think they've done a great job yeah i thought yeah. so too yeah so what, what are you looking forward to today gents well i'm looking forward to the the billy Moomy stuff mm. um i'm really looking forward to seeing those episodes up on a yeah. screen and then the Skype with him afterwards yeah. should be great. And I'm actually also looking forward to the night gallery. Yeah. Stuff yeah. should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Paul is going to do, uh, I think that, right? Paul Gallagher? Oh, yeah, is he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a pretty good slate today, you know, mm-hmm. starting off with Arlen Schumer and and then, um, you know, right on through the day yeah. and into the evening, I guess. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so thrilled that I got to meet both of you this weekend. Yeah, it's, been, it's great it's to meet you treat. in person. I mean, we've Skyped. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I've, I've discovered you're taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm taller than most people. <laughs> when I was coming here with my, my friend Judy, we were discussing that I had talked to you Skyping, yeah. but I didn't really know. And she said, well, he could be really short. And I said, well, he also could be really tall. Yeah. And it's more the really tall than the really short. So. Yeah. Well, welcome yeah. to the States. Thank you. Good Thank to have you. you. You know, it's always, I feel at home here. I always do. I love it here. It's, uh, it is a home from home. But real pleasure, gents. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you heard him on the panel we did yesterday, but I'm really pleased to meet Paul Gallagher from the Shadow and Substance blog and 
um, Twitter feed. Paul, so good to meet you, man. It was great to meet you. How's yeah. your How's your sailing fest going? Oh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, even better than last year's, and and I had a great time then. So good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we you know we had a few technical difficulties yesterday with the panel, sure. but I gotta say, man, you stepped up, you rolled with it, and you, <laughs> you did a you did a fantastic job. So oh, well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. I didn't know what to expect, but uh, you know, I felt like every it wound up being a good discussion. It did. Uh, you know, people seem to dig it. So hope you know good interaction so hopefully people enjoyed that a lot of questions which is always a good sign yeah yeah now we're here in recreation park it's a beautiful day nice and crisp and and really nice but uh, the festivities haven't really begun yet Mm. but you you've got a big thing coming up later on haven't you i do yes uh later on we'll be uh screening the night gallery pilot movie Uh and uh, i'll be uh, presenting that with uh, scott skelton who's Mm -hmm. the co-author of uh, the definitive book on Night Gallery, uh, which I highly recommend. And um, so we'll have an opportunity to uh, kind of give the background yeah, yeah. to how Night Gallery, how it came about uh-huh. uh, and uh, and how it fared and uh, just some interesting facts about uh, the movie. You know, so. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to that. And it's nice to drop that in. I mean, like Nick said when I spoke to him, this is a very Twilight Zone event this year because it's the 60th right but it, it is coming up to the 50th for night gallery as well right. so it's nice that they've acknowledged that isn't it exactly yeah it'll be uh, yeah next november 9th uh, or 8th i'm sorry of 1969 is when the pilot movie aired right so it'll next month will be its 50th wow. uh, anniversary so yeah, yeah yeah you're gonna mark that in any way for uh, on the blog or oh like definitely that? yeah yeah i feel like i have to especially since that's kind of how i got into yeah. uh uh surling fanning i guess you could say yeah uh, yeah uh, and Good. so we'll 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 we'll, do, we'll be doing something special uh, uh i'm still you know planning right now so Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. So, what what um what on the program are you looking forward to in particular, apart from, you know, your panel? Any any anything in particular over the next day or two that you're really looking forward to? Oh yeah. I mean, a number of the authors here, uh, you know, have books that I like very very much. I'm looking forward to hearing Mark Dwadziak uh, yeah. uh, talk. Um, it, uh, it when you think about it, when you're kind of at our level of fanship, uh, you know, you're always looking for somebody to find something that's a little different that you haven't really thought about before and you know i know mark's going to be talking about you know connections between serling and Mm -hmm. and uh charles dickens there's another favorite author of mine so i'm looking forward to that and Uh um and uh certainly some of the other uh uh uh, panelists uh, sound very good as well you know there's just just so many uh knowledgeable people here you know getting a chance to talk to martin grams and nick parisi and uh uh, just these, these uh, I, I'm really, you know, in awe of, you know, some of the talent that's here. Absolutely. And they're so, so nice, so down to earth, you know, because mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know, sometimes you feel like a bit of a pretender, you know, I haven't written a book. Right. You Same know, here. I haven't done that kind of yeah. thing. Um, so you kind of think, well, they're the guys who have put that real groundwork in and, exactly. and everything. But, you know, they are just so nice and so on the level that they're really really nice people aren't they yeah yeah it is it's it's and and it's nice because when you stop and think about it i mean you know we can all you know sort of be in our own little world with our dvds and our books and everything (laughs) but uh when you think about it uh, twilight zone so much of it was about uh the problems of isolation yeah and what the the bad things that happen when community breaks down and Uh so i like the fact that we have so many good approachable people who are in this field and we can all come together and talk about it because that's really the 
best side of us that I think Serling was always trying to yeah. to encourage. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Paul, it's a it's a real pleasure. You know, we 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 need to find that thing that we can have a good sit down and talk about on the podcast Definitely. at some point. We'll, yeah, we'll get thinking about that because I, I love speaking to you. So we'll oh, do that. Yeah, great talking to you too. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. So I'm on my way back from Recreation Park and, um, you know, I said I wasn't going to record every little thing, but man, you know, the thing is, Binghamton itself and the town, it's nice enough, but a modern town is a modern town these days, I think. And obviously that main street has, has changed a lot from when Rod Sailing was here, but walking to the park, you know, um the houses it's a beautiful sunny day and you know I'm standing right next to a fire hydrant all this kind of Americana I just love it and I think it's here that I'm getting a bit more of a taste of the kind of idyllic American town walking distance type vibe it's absolutely beautiful you know I can hear the grass being mowed over there and it's just this is this is a bit of a, a nice moment just wandering through town alone I just wanted to mark that really because it's been such a great trip just people in the park uh, at sailing fest who've never met each other before or only know of each other from online just talking everyone is friends there's the really nice atmosphere about it so you could come to this thing on your own which a lot of people have and walk away with you know a hundred new friends and it really doesn't get much better than that so let's see what today at sailing fest has in store for us That afternoon the convention moved to the Forum Theatre in Binghamton for an afternoon and evening of exceptional programming and while I didn't record these panels and can't really broadcast them anyway, I did record a couple of snippets just to give you an idea of the event. So hopefully, if Sailing Fest returns, perhaps next time you'll be in the audience too. So at 1pm Arlen Schumer gave a cut down version of his multimedia presentation, 60 Years of the Twilight Zone. This new Twilight Zone itself, but we're not here to talk about the new Twilight Zone, we're here to talk about this Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone that featured a who's who of Hollywood at the time. I mean, if you look at the actors and actresses, that I'm going to scroll through, they all went on to have fabulous careers in television and film. But the real star of the Twilight Zone 
was the man from Binghamton, Rod Serling himself. Rod Serling, the greatest television icon of all time. There's no, that's why the, the U.S. Post Office put him within a television screen. That's why when you show him the New York Times crossword puzzle, you know you've made it. I mean, I, my files on my computer are full with Twilight Zone references. I figure since we're in New York, I might as well show you some of my favorite New York Times Twilight Zone references over the years. Some a little older, some very current. And now with the growth of social media, the internet, you're starting to see things like this, hashtag Twilight Zone 2016. Or when an image like this is co-opted and it becomes this on the New York Times homepage. Now, thank God for the internet because I find images like this all the time that end up being transformed into this. So that's why the Twilight Zone is so penetrated the culture, that's why there could be a comedy zone. That's why Bally's in Las Vegas has an environment like this. Now, again, back to the New York Times, when they talk about theater, they compare great theaters to the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone's were two-act plays filmed for television, and that's why there have been so many live productions. Everything from things on the West Coast to the East Coast, from high schools like this to very sophisticated productions from London, like this successful one that I think is going to be remounted. Then, of course, there have been radio dramas, versions of the Twilight Zone. The great Bernard Berman, who did all the soundtracks for Hitchcock, there's a collection of his music. We have the great Twilight Zone podcast, and I believe Tom Elliott is in the audience. If he's not, I'm going to blame it on his hangover. But we have books about Surly. The, the latest and greatest one is by Nick Parisi, who just gave me a fabulous introduction and who's out there with me and the other great Twilight Zone authors. There's not just one book about... At 2 p.m. on the Remembering Rod panel, Anne and Jody Sailing were joined by Rod Sailing's friend Mark Olshaker and two former students, Mark Willie and Dave Ekstrom, to remember the great man. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my dad. I will talk about the Rod Sterling, the human being and the person he was away from the cameras and adoring fans. Besides being the kindest man you would ever want to meet, who would give his shirt off his back to anyone, he had this wonderful sense of humor and always made us laugh. Most important, I remember him as a great role model who taught me about basic values and that you have to earn what you want in life and not expect it to be handed to you like entitlement carved in stone. He would say to me, and I remember all too well, his words of wisdom, and that was, always be yourself, Joe. Never live in anyone's shadow or try to reap anyone else's successes or benefits. I also remember my father's generosity. He was always helping people, particularly young people. He believed in the younger generation and had a deep caring for them. This is why he went into teaching. But I also remember that my father drew the line at helping deadbeats, lazy underachievers who thought the world owed them a living, who took and kept taking because it was a lot easier than facing a real world where they'd be exposed for the incompetence that they actually were. And even as I remember the people he respected, honored with friendship and love, I also remember what he loathed. 
My father had no tolerance whatsoever for such human failings as greed, ingratitude, racism, and bigotry. To this day, I love seeing my father on TV. As a child, I never really shared the ex extent of excitement until I became an adult. I truly value I truly value the enduring quality of the Twilight Zone. I remember asking my dad what the show was about. His explanations would confound my 11-year-old brain, and I would recall it would take a few quick rewrites to sell me. He would describe the series as grown-up fairy tales. I would ask him if there were any animals in the series, and he would tell me that I was barking up the wrong tree. And then I remember he would tell me it was about the mysteries of life that I would never learn in school, and I remember that sounded vaguely rebellious and cool, and, the, and would smile at the expression, of, and he would smile at the expression on my face, knowing that he had made a sale. I could say goodbye to Lassie and make room for Dad. On Sunday the 6th of October, the final day of Sailing Fest, Attendees gathered at the Binghamton High School in the Helen Foley Theatre for the final day of programming. Watch your step. Yeah. That's the door frame that survived the fire. He painted his name in 1943, just before he graduated. Wow. Well, let's take a seat. Um, we're in Binghamton High School, and who am I speaking to? Uh, my name is Larry Casson, yeah. and I am the coordinator of special events and theater at the Rod Serling School of Fine Arts Rod here in Binghamton, New York. Fabulous, fabulous. And we are, this is actually the Helen Foley Theater this, we're sitting in now. This is the Helen Foley Theater. It was named in the mid-80s. When he was a student here, it would have been called the Binghamton Central High School Auditorium. Right. Uh, but in, in the mid-80s, we dedicated the theater after Rod's drama teacher. Right. And public speaking teacher, Helen Foley, who happened to be a big influence on his life. Mm -hmm. And also... Uh, he had a character uh, in Nightmare as a Child named Helen Foley. The teacher yeah. was named Helen Foley. And um, uh, so it was always uh, nice to have that connection. And we decided yeah. to name the theater after her. Wonderful, wonderful. And you've just been telling me that, you know, you're, you're very active in your own spare time, mm -hmm. kind of keeping Rod's memory alive, aren't you, and, and, and going and speaking. Tell us a couple of things you've done. Well, uh, various uh, programs. Um, uh, about 25 years ago, I started what was called the Rod Serling Video Festival. Oh. And that was a student video festival competition uh -huh. for students K through 12. There, there are many competitions out there, but yeah. many of them are geared towards college and semi-pro and pro. Uh -huh. I wanted to showcase video technology uh, and creative video um, artistry mm -hmm. uh, under Rod Serling's title. Cool. And the fact that our School of the Arts was formed in 1994, mm -hmm. we got permission from the family to name it after him and use his name and image. Great. So I was able to create this video festival, which yeah. started as a county-wide festival. Then it went the next year to the state. And then after it went across the country. So I was getting video five minutes or under mm -hmm. uh, videos, uh, projects. In, and they didn't have to be 
you know, fantasy or science fiction. Mm. Uh, they were open subjects. But yeah. it was great to see the work these young people were doing. So after a few years of doing that, I... I started getting a bit of a reputation of being the local Rod Serling expert. <laughs> and uh, so I was invited uh, to speak at various colleges, mm -hmm. um, forums, uh, educational programs. I, I have a very good relationship with CBS. Oh, good. And they allow me uh, licensing to show Twilight Zone episodes at various lectures. Wow. Uh, the highlight for me, I, I coordinated a four-day celebration of the 50th anniversary mm. of the Rods of the Twilight Zone, mm -hmm. which was called TZ at 50, right. and it was uh, a free, open to the public event. Four days of programming. Our local public television reenacted live mm -hmm. two of the episodes. One was Walking Distance, and one was Mirror Image, wow. and they aired it live, which was just a thrill yeah. to be in the audience. And the highlight for me was to be invited to speak at the, uh, back then it was called the Museum of Television and Radio in New York City. Mm -hmm. Now it's the Paley Center. Yeah. And um, they invited me uh, to speak at a dinner uh, after a reading of an episode called Masks. Mm. And uh, what was thrilling for me is I went down with Anne, his mm -hmm. daughter, and she talked a little bit about him uh, during the public session and I was invited to speak at the private dinner. Uh, got to meet Fritz Weaver, wow, Lucia, Lucia Larnez, yeah, uh, people like that, and and it was a truly thrilling event for me, uh, mm -hmm. a really special night. Uh, Fritz Weaver, who was in Twilight Zone episodes, also yeah, yeah. in movies like Failsafe, mm -hmm. and he uh, he uh, came over to me and he said uh, that he had no knowledge of Rod's experiences in World War II, okay, and it really shed a whole you know different light on. Yeah. on him for you know you know so that was very special and uh also that year i got to be a guest on um npr's on the media mm. and uh that was exciting as well i was on the same interview with uh uh jj abrams wow and jj okay. uh, abrams was telling us that when he was a little boy he used to fake being sick so he could stay home and watch Twilight Zone episodes. Fabulous. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I was on a phone. I didn't get to meet J.J. Abrams. <laughs> but uh, he, was, he was very special. And, yeah. uh, you know, so we, we've done a lot. I've, I've been here now, you know, when I started this job hmm. 32 years ago, wow. I had no knowledge that, you know, Rod Serling was from Binghamton. I, I, mm -hmm. I knew... Uh, I was a big fan of the Twilight Zone. I was yeah. a big fan of Planet of the Apes and, you know, some of his other... One of my favorite projects is Seven Days in May, mm. you know, which I just love that movie. Mm -hmm. But I never knew there was a connection. So when I came here and found out there was a connection, I was like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, you, you just know? went with it. And so once we got permission to use his name and image, I, I just ran with it. So Great. it was very exciting. And, and now I, I'm not that much involved with the Twilight Zone at 60, mm -hmm. uh, but I still assist and help out yeah. and uh, you know offer the theater to the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation as a venue. Great. Uh, and I'm always available to you know answer questions and yeah. show people around because I really think it's important to... Uh, keep his uh, legacy alive. Uh, to Absolutely. Me, to me, he, he did something... Well, I'll give you an example if, if you have the time. Yeah. Um, uh, I always talk about this in my lecture, but 
you know, when he started writing for television, television was still in its infancy, mm. but called the golden age. And his contemporaries were people like Paddy Chayefsky mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, so many wonderful writers out there. Um, but when he stopped writing close to his death, mm -hmm. you know, in mid-70s, what, what was television called? The boob tube. Yeah. America's yeah. vast wasteland. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think there's a parallel to his life and television because, you know, the Twilight Zone in my opinion, um, and in others, he did something that wasn't happening prior mm. to his work in television. That's what he was a writer producer. Mm -hmm. You know, prior to him, writers were just on staff. Yeah, he did. They didn't have a lot of creative control. And I really believe that people like Rod Serling opened the door. Oh, oh, the gentleman who wrote West Wing, Aaron Sorkin. Uh, I'm sorry, I just had a mental <laughs> lapse for a moment. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin and um, the people who did Hill Street Blues and mm -hmm. St. Elsewhere. It became a writer-driven mm -hmm. production. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he dealt with the sponsorship problems. He dealt with, you know, the issues. Everyone knows the story about, you know, when he did Patterns and when he did, um, well, he didn't do... He, he didn't do um, uh, the uh, the judgment at Nuremberg, mm. but he was very upset with what happened. You must know the story. It was yeah, yeah. the American Gas Association sponsored it, mm -hmm. and they, they didn't want to hear any references <laughs> to gas being bad. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I think I think television. You know, obviously Binghamton, I mean, has a lot. I mean, he's one of probably the most famous people ever to come through this yeah, town yeah. in upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I really think he was a, a major influence. You know, recently the um, the Writers Guild of America, uh, mm -hmm. a couple of years back, um, put a list out of the 100 best written shows. I'm not sure if you know this, but no. he, Twilight Zone was number three. The first one was The Sopranos. And the second one was Seinfeld. Okay, well, <laughs> we, we, we can, we can argue case, that, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying that you know <laughs> to, to be listed yeah, yeah. in number three as the, the best written television series anthology, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 that says something. You know, he was. They talked to his his daughter. He was, and his wife. Um, he was such a moral man. I mean, yeah. He, uh, the, the the Twilight Zone episodes were mini morality plays, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, and again the fact that he was able to address so many so many social issues under the umbrella or the guise of of, of, yeah. of science fiction, and uh, you know maybe people didn't realize what they were watching until mm -hmm. later, but I think it, it stuck with them, and and I think he's an important person that we need to celebrate. Absolutely. I mean, the, the program's going to start soon, but we're, we're sat in front of a, an art, artifact that you have. Can you just talk us through yes, this quickly? Yes, um, th that is a door casing. Uh, that is a door casing that was in the original backstage of the high school auditorium. Mm. It survived a fire. <laughs> it, wow. it survived being taken all over the town. Uh -huh. um, I was given a call because it was found in a garbage pail. No way. And uh, they called me about, oh, must have been 15 years ago and said, we have found something with Rod Serling's name on it. Do you want to come look at it? And this was the doorframe that, that, that people, uh, you know, 
didn't know the. I don't know how it got there, you know. Yeah. Uh, but they offered it to me, and I said, "Of course." Absolutely. And uh, I had it framed, and it it, it stays in my office uh, at the school district at the Rod Serling School of Fine Arts. And every now and then, I'll take it out for events like this and Great. put it on display. But you know, just to see something that he actually painted when he was a student here. Yeah. Well, fabulous. Larry, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for the work you do. Oh, thank you. And, thank you, you know, for coming and supporting the, the Serling program. Thank you, man. The afternoon began with a presentation about Twilight Zone comic books by comics expert Ed Cato called Four Color Twilight Zone. Aficionados are saying, hallelujah, this is fantastic. All these books routinely sold like over 350,000 copies, right? So, you know, that, that, that notion of, um, you know, uh, three times, the very top books. Today, if you're, if you're a comic and you're, you're selling 20,000 copies, that's pretty good. You know, that was kind of giving that blockbuster. That being said, it was, it was different then as well because um, in those days, uh, comics were returnable. You would buy them, you'd be a newsstand, you'd get your packet of comics coming in, and then you'd send the comic back for a credit. In fact, you wouldn't really send the comic back in for a credit because sending all those comics would be expensive. Instead, you'd just rip off the cover, burn the comic, or throw it away, and send that comic in for credit, send that cover in for credit. Of course, oftentimes those coverless comics were resold, so uh, fans could get those at a fraction of the regular price. So, so even, even saying that notion of, say, 350,000 comics were being printed for Twilight Zone number 47, it, we, we have no way of understanding how many of those were actually bought. They were being printed and they were sold to that retail channel, which in those days would have been newsstands. Um, but the actual number that were bought, not returned, um, very difficult to ascertain. Question over there? Hi, Ed. Um, I agree about the gold key comics, you know, they look great, but they're, they're not great. But the collector in me would still probably like to have them, you know, in a collected volume. Have you ever heard of something like that being considered? And is there anything stopping that from happening that you know of? Yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a great question. Now, is this Tom who is speaking? It is, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah, I know that voice. <laughs> Tom, I can't tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. Um, Thank you, man. Uh, it's good to, to see you in person. Um, so Tom asked about why is the uh, Outer Limits collected? Uh, why are the Boris Karloff uh, stories collected? And, and why is the Twilight Zone? Uh, the short answer is... Um, that it, it's complicated and there's a fear of who owns the rights to those. There's also, unfortunately, um, not a high uh, uh, revenue potential for these. So as uh, CBS owns the, the um, who owns the uh, Twilight Zone now looks to uh, license, they would actually license that out to a publisher. They say, oh man, you know, we're only gonna make this amount, but you know, our legal fees might be here, or maybe it might be here, so we're, we're very concerned. OK, 
Okay, we are now on the last day of Sailing Fest and in one of the most surreal kind of parts of this trip and probably my life in general, I'm sitting in a deserted high school in Binghamton. I feel like I'm on the set of Smallville or something. And, um, you know, that's a segue because one of the great things about coming to Binghamton for Sailing Fest is I got to meet a long time, not only a long time friend of the show, but a, a long time actual friend uh, who I've never been able to actually sit in the same room with. And it's Zach Moore. Zach, how's it going? It's a good time. Yeah, it, it is kind of surreal sitting in this high school. I, I made a couple of Smallville jokes as we were walking through <laughs> it. But good, good call there. I thought it'd be nice to just uh, sit back and have a little chat about Sailing Fest, you know. Um, We'll take it loosely day by day, but you know, day one we had the panel that I was on. Uh, we had the happy place. So you know, thoughts on day one? Well, first of all, yeah, as you said, it's great to meet you in person. And when mm. I, I arrived and you gave me a big hug when I showed up <laughs> at the bus station, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, and that's that's what part of like this whole fandom and podcasting journey is all about. You know, I'm I'm part of a lot of different fandoms and whatnot, mm. but it's always and this will be a theme as we talk here. It's really about the people more than the. And the experience is great, like the the events, the uh, the organizational you know uh, schedule, if you will. Yeah. And, that, and that's that's the the temple that brings us all together, and it's all that's great content. But then everything around that too is like that intangible greatness uh-huh. that that goes with everything. But uh, definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, so day one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did the panel. I, I think it went down well. Uh, there was a few technical difficulties, but. Um, you know, it, it was a nice start, and it was glad. I was glad that it was first as well, <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and I could get, get it out, out the, the way. way. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, I'm going to edit all this together when we get back. But there should be like all those interviews we did, and I have to thank you for being the sound guy <laughs> and, yes. and really hooking that up. No, ha- happy to be a part of it. I know the, uh, as we were going around, you know, interviewing the, the authors and whatnot, I was just being a, the the tech guy. Uh, as uh, and sometimes Tom would be like, "Hey, you got a question?" I was like, oh, I'm, "I'm good, I'm, I'm good." So no, I, it, it was just fun to be a part of it, really, because it's like I'm part of the the live podcast here on this on this side. So just happy yeah. to be a help because, as, as I said before, uh, you're really a big inspiration for me, having gone into podcasting to begin with. So now it's great to just kind of be part of that here with you. So. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. It was, I mean, it was a little different as planned, um, but we rolled with it, and we we just recorded the interviews. Now, it was originally going to be that we were broadcast into the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that didn't really happen. So I had interviews that were geared towards doing that. There was a c- few fun things in it, like you know, uh, guess this quote from the Twilight Zone. You know, <laughs> put the authors to the test, that kind of thing. But it, it and, never and the format ent- change that would not have <laughs> worked translated as yeah, well. Yeah, right? it just yeah. wouldn't have translated as well if you're not playing to a crowd. So I just kind of made questions up on the spot, and I have to say, I I don't get starstruck. You know, I've interviewed celebrities and I've been doing this a while. But when I was with Anne Sailing, it was just such a huge moment <laughs> that I... That's not the best interview I've ever done. She was very gracious, obviously, but I was kind of starstruck and a bit lost for words. Well, you did better than me because you, you were just... You were being nice. You are like, hey, Zach, do you have anything to ask Anne Sailing? I was like, uh, no. <laughs> 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 but yeah, she, she was very gracious and it was great to just spend a few minutes with her. And, yeah. uh, and I actually, I have her book. I've yet to read it, but I'm looking forward to digging into it, especially after hearing her speak as well and, and, and uh, heard what she has to say uh, yeah. over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the evening, we saw The Happy Place, which was, 
you know, it's always great hearing Rod Sailing stuff that you've never heard before. And I've known about this. I've always wanted to to hear it. So what do you think of that show? I really enjoyed it. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect because I had no... I mean, I'd heard of it, right? But this was the first performance they had ever done, uh, yeah. to my knowledge. And uh, I... I thought it was really great you can see a lot of the dna of the show in there mm-hmm. you can see it's like little obsolete man here a little bit of yes. other episodes that m- mainly i'd say obsolete man more than yeah. anything else but uh it, it's you know pure distilled st- sterling and it's interesting to me you know being a star trek guy as well um star trek got a little further with their original pilot the cage which mm. is what they they filmed it they presented it to nbc nbc didn't like it so they they scrapped it and and did another episode yeah. and that became where no man has gone before that had and that with william shatner and that took off and became the star trek we know yeah. uh sterling in the twilight zone had a similar route but they they didn't even get past the the script phase you know mm-hmm. the, apparently cbs sponsors as we were told didn't really like some of the themes in this episode and so they squashed that although i was and I, so i thought it was great i was actually surprised that they never pulled it off the shelf later for, you know, in this five-year run of the show that they never dusted this off because so many episodes are similar to others. Yeah. I don't think that would have been a concern, but maybe whatever those objections were, were permanent. I don't know. It's something they could probably do now, you mm-hmm. know, Absolutely. in the yeah. new show. How, how about that, having an episode written by Rod Sailing? You know, you, you might have to tweak a couple of things for the modern format, but it was a long thing, so it would probably fit on the new show. Yeah, where there's no exact time limit, so that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, I think they should do that. But but I really I really enjoyed it. I de- you could definitely see all the themes they were going for, and, and I felt like even at the end, I was I was guessing what mm-hmm. would happen because there's the, there's some characters, there's some family intrigue, some some quote unquote state intrigue as we're familiar yeah. within the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and that that was really the the crux and how these characters come together at the end and. And there were a few, there were like about three beats or lines at the end. I thought, oh, that would have been a great ending line. And they kept going and there were still great ending lines at the end. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. And I do hope that uh, that something, as the Twilight Zone has now back in production, right, yeah. that they can find some way to incorporate that into it. Because as you said, episode, start season two with an episode by Rod Serling, right? Absolutely. Slam dunk. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, you know... I- and in the evening, we we went out for drinks. <laughs> Typical first night of convention. <laughs> Too many drinks, probably. Close the place down. Um, but, you know, I think one of the, the pleasures of this trip has been every time we go out of an evening, uh, the great sort of illustrator, author, Arlen Schumer mm-hmm. has been out with us, uh, you know, to eat and whatnot. Amy Ball Johnston came out on the evening so it, it was really nice to kind of speak to them under those circumstances wasn't it yeah it, it was funny because you hear you hear a little bit of like the like arlen was going to do his presentation the next day so we got a little preview of that the night before yeah. and then just you know just to talk about this stuff and is like he talks some twilight zone he talks some life you, have, you know have some fun so it just that that is that intangible uh, part of coming to these events that yeah. you can't you can't capture even doing a podcast together like we're you know, I'm on my computer you're on your computer yeah you know, we talk a little bit and it's like all right down to business now and you're just shooting around mm-hmm. having a having a glass with friends and it, it, it's great experience so definitely definitely um okay day two was um a couple of things going on i i forget now there was like the night gallery panel there's a, a screening of uh the first episode episode of night gallery i think the highlight of the day for me though was the um bill moomy interview Mm -hmm. i thought he he put on a good show it was via skype but you know he such a personality isn't he yeah he brought a lot of um 
personality to it. Uh, he was wearing a T-shirt. What happens in the cornfield stays in the cornfield. <laughs> so he, he really embraces the fandom. And, you know, at, at, having been into this, all of this fandom and show business from such a young age, he's, he's seen it all through the decades, you know. And, and yeah. he really is, I guess, you know, quote, unquote, one of us because he appreciates what these things are and 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 yeah he brought life to it he wasn't i mean he he really kind of gave some meaningful answers and and really gave, delved into some stuff and told some great stories that i, mean, I had not heard before i mean mm-hmm. maybe some others had but uh it really uh it was on it was <laughs> seeing him do the uh do the anthony look for everybody that was great because we saw him <laughs> on a big video screen and he still got it i never know that he was on alfred hitchcock presents by the way I didn't know that. He told either. a great story about Alfred Hitchcock presents, uh, and I'll have to go seek out those episodes and check him out. So yeah, yeah. What was on in the morning? I don't remember. So uh, Arlen Schumer. That's right. Oh man, I've got to cut that out. He would kill me if. He- well, the thing is, uh, there's so many friends here. A friend of mine, Willow, uh, we met up and we were we were going to Arlen's thing. We were in plenty of time, uh, but our Google Maps sent us the wrong way and. Uh, we turned up a little on bit foot. late. You know, that's part of the issue. When you, when you go the wrong way on foot, it takes yeah, you a while to get back. It takes twice as long to get back. Um, and Arlen made sure I uh, I heard about his displeasure at that. All in jest, of course. Yes, you know, yes. All in jest. But no, that was a good presentation. And you can check that out online. I will put a link uh, to Arlen's stuff in the show notes for, for these Binghamton episodes, whether it's one or two yet. I don't know. Well, Arlen, he, he's so knowledgeable and has such a great... Uh, um, library of content to present yeah. to everyone i mean he only got, he only got through about two and a half to the seasons of the show we're talking about the iconography the opening credits understanding the influences like like and i know a lot about this stuff but as he said it blew you're gonna have your mind blown arlen's such a <laughs> he's such a passionate guy about this and it really was like he's bringing up salvador dali paintings and just images mm-hmm. that like oh that's from the twilight zone oh it's based off this from back here and yeah. just drawing these these connections that's what he did you know, being the visual guy that he is he he, mm. he he finds these things and ties it together and it, just a really great presentation and you know and arlen is always a captivating guy to hear talk so it was a great one yeah and you know we went to the pub later on as well and i asked him i said Do you, are you working from notes there now one of arlen's catchphrases is are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> so he's like you think i work from notes you honestly think I work from notes? And I'm like, okay, Arlen. Um, but he 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 doesn't have any notes, and he does like you know probably a dozen of these different presentations on different things, and he just looks at the screen, and it all just comes out of that that mind of his. So that that was a really good start to the day. Yeah, uh, and then I, I you know I think the next one was because there were quite a few panels yesterday, uh, but just going off the top of our head here, without looking at the itinerary, was uh, you know the the Sterling Daughters and then oh, his students as wow, well. Wow, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was that was a real great uh, uh, just kind of window into, you know, their their memories of their father and then, of course, their teacher for the students. And I, uh, having it been so cyclical because uh, Helen Foley was such an influence on Rod Serling, he became a teacher influences these students. So it just yeah. shows the, the circle of life of education as well. Yeah. And first time I'd ever seen Jody Serling, mm-hmm. I, I think Anne is um, active in a lot of stuff. I, I'm sure Jody is, but I've just not been uh, aware of it. Um, so it was interesting to hear her speak, and it got emotional at times, yes. which quite right. But um, Mark Olshaker, who is responsible for the Mind Hunter series on Netflix, he's a great storyteller too. He was really, uh, really good part of that panel as well. 
Yeah, he was a fascinating guy to, to speak to. Because, but Mindhunter has really uh, become a, a, a one of these Netflix shows, like a must-see show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And and I hadn't watched it yet. And you know, you interviewed him, and we got to speak to him uh, in addition to that. And I, you know, I got his book and got a signature from him. So I'm looking forward to reading that. And just to know that the author of that book, uh, he yeah, obviously he wrote the book, and he approves of their. <laughs> of their translation of it is great because you hear so many t- times about like, well, you know, the book and you know, you know, they did yeah. what they did and they took the show, but you know, h- giving it his stamp approval has made me more interested to go check it out after, mm-hmm. after I uh, read the book. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, that was dates. Oh, the only other thing I'd like to ask you about because mm-hmm. it was the first time you'd actually watched night gallery. Wasn't it? Yes. what do you think of that? Well, so I had seen episodes, random episodes of night gallery, right. uh, just over, years or on tv or on uh, streaming when it was on streaming i discovered that it's no longer on hulu so mm. uh so i'll need to go to uh, down to my local barnes and noble and buy that complete series set but this is the first time i'd seen the pilot yeah uh the pilot movie and they did a, a brief uh kind of mini panel before uh, explaining it and uh discussing kind of the from how we got from the twilight zone to night gallery and that was a great kind of primer for you know because i don't know uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm a noob, as they say, when it comes to Night Gallery. <laughs> so I don't have this encyclopedic knowledge like I do with all these other fandoms. But uh, yeah. you know, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I yeah. thought there were definitely some uh, uh, '70s flourishes and such as the music and some of the editing techniques and whatnot. Mm. And but I liked all the stories. Um, there was uh, the, the cemetery, uh, eyes, and escape route, and I liked them all actually. And I think uh, probably the strongest one for me would be the cemetery. Yeah. Just based off Roddy McDowell's performance, at Portafoy, Foy, Like he said, yeah. I, if you play a drinking game, you would be dead within five <laughs> minutes of how many times he says Portafoy. But he had such a charismatic performance and his dynamic with the butler, and it was great. And the other, I mean, Joan Crawford, right? I mean, yeah. great in eyes, and then, you know, Steven Spielberg. I mean, I did, you didn't, you saw some kind of directorial flourishes there, some creative stuff, and nothing to be like, this guy's going to be the greatest director of all time. Like he's yeah. personally my favorite director of all time. Uh, and uh, and then the last one, uh, I I probably like Escape Road. It's like miniature from mm-hmm. Twilight Zone with Robert Duvall and the, the museum and the dollhouse meets uh, Death's Head Revisited, uh-huh. obviously with the getting haunted by your you know Nazi past and I, I think they're all very powerful stories, very like straight up Serling. I could I see his fingerprints all over it. And then as I learned through the introduction uh, panel that uh, there was a different producer on that pilot film than yeah. there was on the show. And if, if uh, because the guy in the pilot film, whose name escapes me, he wanted to do just movies. This was meant as a movie of the week, not a TV show. When they went to TV show, they got Jack Laird in there, and him and Sterling didn't really see eye to eye on things. So I just, I wish they had kind of kept this original creative team, and who knows what we would have got. So Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm very excited to check out more Night Gallery now that I've kind of got more of a taste for it. So uh-huh, being, uh-huh. being the 50th anniversary of Night Gallery, that's kind of what that celebration was for. Yeah, so. yeah. And there's a new book. Maybe we'll speak about that down the line as mm-hmm. well. Um, okay, day three, we, we really just started, to be honest, <laughs> but a really great panel, I thought, to kick it off. Very chasm- charismatic um, presenter in Ed Cato, who is, uh, you know, a comic book expert. I really enjoyed this one. I thought great visuals. You know, he talked a lot about the gold key comics. Um, I've, I've mentioned them in the past. I don't think I've dug into them too much because it's a whole other thing. I mean, we've spoke about... Um, the more modern ones, haven't yeah. we? IDW, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a bit mixed on some of those, but we spoke about them. He is uh, a comic book enthusiast and, and a really charismatic presenter as well. So I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's Dynamite, not IDW. Let me correct myself. But, uh, yeah, mm. being, a, being a comic book historian, 
uh, just a fan, whatever. I am aware of comic history, so I recognized a lot of the names. I, I, I responded to what he was talking about. I was uh, shocked. I didn't know that Frank Miller wrote a Twilight Zone comic book yeah. from the Dark Knight Returns fame, Batman Year One. Uh, so I'll definitely seek that out. And then uh, other creators like Lynn Wine, who created Wolverine and Swamp mm-hmm. Thing. So he had a lot of big names in comics. And this is, of course, in the days of before... Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of uh, control, creative control over "quote unquote" expanded universe material. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. He was he brought up that you had your Outer Limits comics, you had your Boris Koloff comics, and you had your Twilight Zone comics, and they were almost just interchangeable. Yeah. As de- if they just depending on <laughs> whose picture they put on the cover, right? Yeah, definitely. That was hilarious. Absolutely. But they were they were identical. Yeah. Um, and you know the stories. A lot of the time, you look at the cover and you think, well, that doesn't seem like the Twilight Zone to me. But nice cover, you yeah. know. I mean, you, yeah, they could, you could have a, a a night gallery, if you will, of, of these covers, especially the older ones, the more pulp influence and the paintings, you know, not just like little illustrations. So yeah. uh, that's a whole nother, as you said, a whole nother can of worms, so to speak, of, of uh, fandom that, you know, down the line, if you want to get into that. And, you know, the thing is, he were talking about, yeah, he mentioned that um, just the... There were, there were so many. I had no idea that these went on so long. These went on for decades. You know, I just thought, oh, yeah, they had a short run of time into the show maybe like in the early 60s. No, these go on into the 70s, and then they revived in the 80s for a little bit with that revival, and now it's yeah. back. So, I mean, there are so many Twilight Zone comics out there. Yeah, yeah. Now, because, you know, the, the day's events have really only just started, um, we are coming up to 3 o'clock. I think there's... Um, Reba Wisner's panel on, which is about the music. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. I'm, I did mean to grab Reba and speak to her, but I think she's gonna be leaving um, straight away after her panel. So unfortunately, we probably won't get to do that. But you know, let's just talk about the thing overall. You you mentioned at the beginning that it it, it re- really is the people that make it, and I think the Memorial Foundation are s- so approachable, lovely people, and they're putting a lot of great work in. Um, but the people we've met here has been amazing. And like I mentioned to you before, I, and I'm not going to go through a list of names because I would forget people. <laughs> right. and you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, you, you know who you are. But I have met people who I've corresponded with for years um, about the Twilight Zone podcast. And it's a case of like, you know, if if this person lived down the road from me, I would be hanging out with this person every weekend. You know, you, yourself included, Zach. I, I think <laughs> I, I knew that before we ever came here. But um, there's so many people that we've been hanging out with, and it's like, it's it's almost uh, it's almost a shame because you know I would happily hang out with them in day to day life anyway. Yeah. No, definitely, and and just uh, having that that camaraderie, that just that instant camaraderie you have from that shared fandom is, yeah. is, is such a, a a cool thing to to capture, and uh, and something that uh, that yeah, if people haven't been out to one of these things, if you have a fandom of any kind, I recommend going and reaching out and connecting. You know, just jumping in in groups because these are people we just met like two days ago. You know, in, in the flesh, or even other people who you had corresponded with some I hadn't, but I'm just mm-hmm. meeting them a couple of days ago, and now we're just talking all the time, and it's it's a, it's a good old time, and. Uh, and I do want to mention as well going to uh, going to the uh, carnival grounds or what's the what's the official name for it, Tom? Uh, the carousel. The, the carousel, yeah, yeah, in the park there. Uh, I, I, Recreation Park, that's okay. what it is. Re- carnival, Recreation Park carousel. That was cool. I think everybody here has kind of done that at some point. You go uh-huh. on the carousel, you go to the gazebo, you see the rod selling plaque there. Uh, the carousel is uh, it's actually 
kind of an indoor carousel, which kind of took me by surprise. Yeah, uh, but you know yeah. that's the whole theme of walking distance. People, things change. You can't get your chocolate milkshake with three scoops for ten cents anymore. You know, this kind of carousel. <laughs> but but hey, I rode on the carousel, and uh, and the the, uh, the foundation here and and all that has has done a, a great part of, of keeping that alive. And uh, and I did I did want to mention that that they when they renovated the carousel. Uh, they added some cool artwork. Talking about artwork from the comics, yeah, they added yeah. some cool Twilight Zone artwork to it. There's like some fantasy stuff on there, but then some all the heavy hitter episodes, as you say, there's some mm-hmm. great uh, artwork on there as well. So it is. It's like I am on the carousel that inspired Rod Serling to to write this episode. So it's just it's part of the Twilight Zone pilgrimage, and that's definitely if you ever come to Bingham, you have to go to the to the to the grounds there. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I, I you know, I, I guess we'll close off with um, this that. You know, we mentioned the the people who came here mm-hmm. and, and who we've met, but if this happens again next year, you know, I hope it does. Whether I can make it out again, who knows? Um, but it, it would be nice to. But if you are concerned, well, I'd like to go, but I've got no one to go with. Don't be concerned. You know, just turn up. You will get speaking to people. There's plenty of people who have came on their own to this Mm -hmm. and they've walked away with friends. So I think the best way to make that happen is to support the Rod Sailing Memorial Foundation. Go to rodsailing.com, sign up, make a contribution. Um, It's something that I I think I'm going to need to do a a bit more, maybe throw a few bucks their way to, to hopefully keep something like this going. Yeah, this is a great organization and a great thing they put on here to kind of just raise awareness for the past, the present, and hopefully the future as far as this goes. And, and yeah, as you said, Tom, like uh, if people are intimidated by just coming here alone, just ju- show up places, start interjecting people in conversation. You'll you'll get carried along on the wave of the of the fandom here. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we will, um, we will leave it there. Who knows, we might, you know, just plonk a microphone on the table at dinner later and catch a bit of chit chat some of the some of the people who are here at sailing fest with us but we will see we will see zach uh, i am so thrilled that you came to this man thank you so much absolutely tom yeah i mean like i was thinking about like oh sixth anniversary okay but then when when it was official you were going to come like well i have to come now you know mm-hmm. i have to go for this i have to meet tom so it's 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 uh it's been uh, my expectations were surpassed in all on all fronts so great With the convention now over, all that was left to do was to retire to the bar. But something that happened throughout the weekend, a conversation about the Twilight Zone over drinks. The thing is, when I was a kid, I remember you would always get plastic tubes with like a bagpiper in it or like yeah. someone from the Tower of London you know with the big uh, really bear yeah that's on. interesting so I, that's that's what I always thought he was just so was one of those dolls well here's the thing that has no resonance in yeah you, now does that it must go back to the short story the fact that he was a bagpiper but here's roughly how I break down the five characters and it has to do with what the episode is about. To me, the episode is about we are all characters in search of our own exits from our own. This is extremely hot. Be careful, okay? You got it. Thank you. You are so welcome. Perfect. Um, you all do white Russians? Yes. I'll take one. White Russians? Yeah. I'll take one of those. Perfect. And then a blue moon. No orange, right? Okay, so in other words, what is five characters about? I mean, to me, you tell me. What is five characters about? About dolls. 
What? Dolls. No, that's not what it's about. Yeah, get all the jokes out now. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody's a comedian. It's like those existential questions, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, well what is about. five characters about? The, the human condition. So right? it's a simple. <laughs> listen, it's a simple question. Doesn't mean there's a simple answer. It's about but it's a simple for meaning question. and identity. There we go. Like an onion, the more you discuss the episode, the it begins to peel. <laughs> the, what? The more it makes you cry. <laughs> Sorry, we already got the joke out the way. So that's your favorite episode. Well, hold on a second. It's his favorite newbie. We're not done with five characters. Well, no, I'm saying, no, that's your favorite episode. Well, no, I didn't say necessarily my favorite. It's one of my, it's my top three. Your go-to introductory episode. To newbies. All right, all right. Because it's a teaching tool about the Twilight Zone itself. And about, listen, where are we, what are we, who are we? The three questions man's been asking since man's been able to ask. How did we get here? What do we do while we're here? And where do we go when we die? All religions are trying to answer those questions because people can't deal with the fact that we don't have answers to those. So they feel comforted. Oh, when you die, you're gonna go to heaven or whatever. But we still don't know who are we, what are we, and where are we? We try to answer those by living our lives. But in the end, those are the great questions of life. So then, how is it played out? There are five characters in this conundrum, literally, a circular conundrum. How did they get out? By working together. So it becomes a metaphor for what society is. We are all cavemen, left to our devices, especially men. We would all be isolated alone in our misery. Men don't really bond with each other. Women are more relationship-oriented. The way society is built is, yeah, by climbing over each other to get out. That's the only way we'll get out, is through community. You know, Serling's big theme in Twilight Zone was solitude, aloneness. So, okay, so if the only way to get out is community, um, in other words, society yeah, is yeah. community. But but then, because the you know he falls out at the end, and actually he's just a doll. Is it just like, well, you're gonna die in the end anyway? <laughs> well, that's one way to interpret it. Or it's don't ask the question. You're not Thank you. Like the answer. Okay. Now this gets back to the each individuals. So to me, each of the five characters represents like five character makeups of human. I'd like to thank Nick Parisi and the Rod Sailing Memorial Foundation for putting on such a great event and for including me in the programming. And I want to thank Andy, a friend of the show, who gifted me a specially made t-shirt with the immortal podcast catchphrase, another hardworking actor of the day on it. I want to thank Roger for a customized Willoughby mug and Grace for a very special 
Ray Bradbury book and DVD as well. Thank you so much. And thank you to dear friend Mark Barnhill, who you just heard in that clip, because when he heard that my airline had collapsed and I had to rebuy my ticket and also buy all the connecting bus tickets to get me to the airport and back again as well, sent over a very generous donation so I could get all those tickets again in good time. So thank you, Mark. You were one of the people who really made this trip worthwhile. And people like Amy Ball Johnston, the author of Unknown Sailing, who I never got on the mic, but I did hang out with, who was so much fun. And to Katie and Renee, who were the perfect companions through the trip, just as I knew you would be. And to Willow, who would have thought that getting lost in Binghamton would be so much fun and I can think of no better person to get lost with. And to everyone who came over to say hello and to chat about the podcast and the Twilight Zone in general, I wish there was more time to speak to you all and I hope that I get there again so we can do that. So thank you everyone for making me feel so welcome. But with the convention over, I headed to New York City to meet up with some more Twilight Zone friends. You know, one of the things that's great about New York City is you can walk along speaking into a recorder and no one really cares what you're doing. It's fantastic. So here I am, I'm walking along, uh, going to meet a real long-time friend of the show. A lot of you will be aware of him depending on what you've listened to. And his name is Uncommon NASA. He's a recording artist working out of New York. And he's just, you know, he's been one of the best friends of the show from as long as I can remember, really. And he, uh, total devotion to Rod Sailing in the Twilight Zone, but really smart to one of the smartest guys I know. And you just sit and listen to the guy, what he's got to say. And uh, yeah, but I've never met him, you know, like most people involved in this enterprise, I've never met him. So... I'm going to meet him right now, and uh, who knows, we might get to chat a little bit, I'll throw the recorder on, let's see what he's got to say, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to meet him, so that's where I'm headed right now. Um, I don't know if you ever read the Gordon Sander one. Uh, I don't... The, the Gordon Sander one, I read first, yeah. right? Before I had any other book, I was watching The Twilight Zone, and this is around the time when I found your show, mm. I was just like, went to a different level. Mm. I was like, I want to go, I want to more about Sterling. I don't want to just know about The Twilight Zone. And yeah. his book was like the only autobiography at the time that wasn't a Twilight Zone capsule, like, uh-huh. like the other two guys' books. So I bought that book and I read it. It actually has a lot of true information in it, and a lot of like the story about the the kid who died with the crate falling on him. Like okay. that stuff is substantiated by other yeah, people, yeah. you know, by uh, 
Payton Paul Johnson, and, you know, like they're, they're, those stories happen, and they're in his book, and there are other there's stories in there that I haven't seen anywhere else about him taking extra dough, like when he was in the states to test parachutes. Okay. And he would like jump out of planes after the war, like nice. in the U.S. as like a test jumper. Mm-hmm. Like, and I haven't seen that anywhere else, but it's in his book. I see. Um, like that he was doing that in the fifties while he was still young enough to do it, obviously. But I, I felt like it was kind of exploitative. Like, a lot of what the family, it seems like, and what Scott was saying is that they actually... The book paints him... The book is called... Um, angry... Um, oh, the, the Last Time or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And they're really pissed about that definition and, like, these struggles after the Twilight Zone being defined in a certain way. And, you know, as a fellow artist... I kind of read that as a like passion, you know, and I was, I it helped me identify with him, like seeing that he was frustrated sometimes with his lot of where he was, even though he had success, he wanted more, yeah, he wanted yeah. to stay relevant, and that's very prescient for me, like that's how I am, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. and so like it, it helped me bond a little bit more with the man, mm-hmm. um, but I think when you when you're somebody like Gordon Sanders, probably I don't know much about him, but like if you're probably not an artist by trade, yeah, that translates to darkness, mm-hmm. and I think that's how he explained it in the book, and I could see that because I understand what is being said, but I think if you're not and you read that, yeah, you're probably like, why are they making him sound like this monster, you know? And I remember growing up feeling this way that like my impression of Hollywood at that time and, and TV at that time was like we have all these new toys we're going to make everything better mm-hmm. and that's always been my impression of the 80s Twilight Zone is that like their idea was like we're going to improve this and I hear people talk all the time about like the dedication of the producers and some of the new Serling and all this other stuff but when I watch the product I always am like you really thought you were going to put this in color and cast different people and, and yeah. just blow people's minds because that people didn't respect the black and white yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, I had relatives that still had black and white TVs. Yeah. You know, it was only 20 years. Like, in 84, 64 was 20 years earlier. I mean, those TVs were still there. Like, they were still selling black and white TVs like your bedroom. Or like some oh, yeah, I TV. had one when I was a kid. I had one too, yeah. And, um, I just think they really were in their own head with that series. And it just looked like everything else as well. It know. did. But they didn't know that at the time. Like, they didn't know how... They just didn't know how special Twilight Zone was. And that's to the point of the Gordon book. Is like... There is some truth, I think, to the fact that... Serling probably was not in a great mental space after the Twilight Zone. Not just because the Twilight Zone was cancelled, but because... I don't think people understood how great that show was in yeah, yeah. 1968. You know, there were college students that he would go talk to that loved it because they were in school for writing. Mm-hmm. But the general public was just like, oh, this is the guy that sells me cigarettes now. Like, yeah. I, I do think that it was an element of that to him. And unfortunately, he didn't live long enough to see that come back around. Yeah, but that's, we that's now it, look back that's... at it with this lens of like, 
Like, oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, why, would he ever, why would he ever feel that yeah, way? Yeah. Like, it's 2019, and the show is, like, considered by most people, like, the best show of all time. You know? I mean, in terms of network television, in terms yeah, of that yeah. time period. You know, there's people that are obsessed with HBO's programming and stuff like that, but, you know, that's not for me. You know, like, but, uh, it must have been weird, you know? I mean, Planet of the Apes got taken away from them. Yeah. You know, and it's your show. Like, I, I knew the, the the fragments of the, the basic story arc of how that got taken away from, but like yeah. when you broke down, I did not know about. And I guess some of Amy's uh, research, she went deep on the Planet of the Apes stuff too. Yeah, those two things together like really opened up the door to like understanding that the producers were essentially at fault for a lot of the issues because they wanted like that weird. I was trying to describe it like the other night, like that weird, like, um, rape fight yeah, scene thing yeah. that was in Planet Just Apes. no one comes and out of that like, looking good, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just, like, you really... And, and my thing is, like, that shows what I'm saying. Is, like, those producers got Rod, in my opinion, like, because he was the fantasy guy. And he was already known as like they talked about last the other night at the night gallery thing like they wanted him to do a show called wizards warlocks and whatever the fuck yeah yeah you know and that's just totally not what the twilight zone was mm-hmm. even if you take all the political stuff out of it it will, still wasn't a monster master show there was still dramas you know yeah. there was still like the hunt and shows like that mm-hmm. and um you know the general public in Hollywood didn't see him that. They just didn't. Or else they wouldn't have approached him to do a movie and suggested that that would be a scene in it. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what I what I would say to that. You know? Because, like, all the social stuff that's in Planet of the Apes that makes it a great movie, I mean, it comes from the French writer because he did yeah, yeah. have a lot of that in it, but it comes from Sterling preserving it. Uh-huh. And, like... Do this. Let's cue it up. We'll just do a little a bit. Just to, no, no. Um, but in a in a weekend of surreal moments, I'm walking through New York, and I've got someone next to me who some of the listeners might uh, recognise. Fred, it's good to meet you, man. Hello, good to meet you too. This I can't get the interview on the go here. I know. We're just walking. You know, I think I've had a busy weekend, and uh, this is a nice way of sort of capping it off. Speaking with you, but. Uh, Man, you didn't make sailing fest, but it's uh, we've we've been having a good chat about it. It was a good weekend. It's it's a shame you missed it, man. Yeah, it sounded good. I also wish I'd been there for your reaction to the reality of Binghamton. <laughs> We're talking about that. So it probably seems like a mythic place. But, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It was a beautiful place. <laughs> yeah, we should get somebody just off the street to pretend to be John. To like, just, <laughs> hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> so just, so you, you were saying that this is not by any means your first time in the States? No, no. I, I used to live in New York a few years oh, ago. Really? Well, yeah. probably about 20 years ago, but um, I didn't live in the city. And uh, so I, I'm still getting a bit lost today, but 
you know yeah so i spent some time here i spent some time here so people have been asking me about you all weekend is fred here and i was like no man he, he, he isn't coming but what what's the what's the score with the podcast at the moment well it's on a long-term hiatus <laughs> funny because we were like really revved up by the Jordan Peele show yeah yeah where we were like yes we're gonna get back into this and then like two episodes in we just hit a wall I, I'm I don't know if we talked about this but John now has three children and I have one so we're very yeah. much in parent mode so it's, it's hard to sneak it in but uh, uh-huh. we, we'll, we will do another episode for sure yeah yeah do you think you will go back to the Peele stuff and complete that or what are you gonna do yeah I want to I, I actually haven't watched it past what we recorded have you really have have you seen the whole run? Or? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the whole thing. I was, like, probably, I was underwhelmed. I don't know what your take was. Well, I mean, I, I was pretty positive about the whole thing, really. Uh, you know, some were better than others, obviously, and yeah. it's it's finding its feet, I guess. Has the ending been spoiled for you, the last episode? I know there's, like, some weird meta thing that much, I Right, know. okay. I'll I mean, I, I've, I've tried to, like, stay away from it. It's it's tough like to me like the twilight zone is just so specific to uh black and white 1960 television rod serling it's like yeah it's not i mean it's cool that they did it and it's cool that people care about the show but to me it's not like it's not the kind of show you should try and revenge yeah so so you're kind of of the opinion that they probably shouldn't try anyway well what do I know? <laughs> like, well, you know, you, you put some legwork in with yeah. this thing. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of think they shouldn't, but I'm not mad that they tried, you know? Yeah, yeah. What was, like, again, I've only watched the first two episodes, so what do I have to look forward to? Well, I, you know... I think there's two real standouts for me. There's a, an episode called Six Degrees of Freedom, where they go to Mars, and uh, one called scorpion which is you know clearly about the gun issues in america and so on but it, it, i, I think know, they I don't handle know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but, um, i love the rifle i'm carrying right now <laughs> on it does look good on you yeah <laughs> um yeah. but yeah so they're, they're two you know if you watch nothing else then those two would be good ones to watch but uh, okay okay so you know, I, I get it. Life gets busy. Yeah. And, you know, uh, do, you, do you think you'll just, you'll always do it? It's just going to be a case of when? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you know, it, uh, the podcast was really based around me and John's friendship more. Yeah. We love the show. It certainly, like, comes from a, a deep love of the Twilight Zone, but it was more based around me and John having an excuse to, like, talk to each other yeah. <laughs> than anything else. So I, as long as we're still on speaking terms we'll probably do it every now and, and now and again but you know we also finished the original series which is uh something you're still working on <laughs> all right fred come on <laughs> no need to rub it in when but things no, get you're... real in the streets of <laughs> yeah um no that's it i mean we're the landscape has changed so much now as well yeah. hasn't it there's, there's so many out there how i mean i I, I lost count at like five or six. Yeah. Do you listen to the new ones that come out or? No. And I, <laughs> simple question. Simple answer. That that's not me being you know dismissive or anything. Yeah. I just like to do my own thing and yeah. you know if someone does something, I mean I, I've got to admit, 
I think in the early days I probably was a little bit territorial yeah and you, you know um, but you you can't have it two ways you can't want people to be talking about the Twilight Zone and uh, for it to be part of the, the sort of dialogue and then just say well but only I can have the dialogue <laughs> I think it's really important that I have a dialogue for the Twilight Zone yeah, yeah yeah but and it's so i'm not not listening to them to be horrible it's just you know if i say i mean because you probably feel the same it's it's a 60 year old show what what are we going to say about it that's unique or that hasn't been said before so if i listen to like five other shows and they say this about a particular episode then you know i don't feel i can really do it anymore Um, yeah it's tough and i feel like you know i think it's kind of it's only room for so many takes and maybe this is maybe this is me being territorial too but yeah i kind of feel like there's this sort of more not that your show isn't funny sometimes but a more like serious minded like documentary approach yeah and then there's like you know jack offs like riffing about the show and most of the shows seem to be that uh-huh. <laughs> with, with all due respect to the other jack offs out there so I kind of felt like, all right, like... Yeah, it's been done. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my friend, uh, Zach, who was at Sailing Fest, said that it was like the... He felt, and I, this isn't my point of view, I, it's great that people are talking about it, but he he felt that the bases were covered. You know, it was like Masterpiece Theatre and Mystery Thousand... Right. Mystery, yeah. Uh, Mystery Thousand. Yeah, yeah. So the bases were covered kind of thing. which Jack on the podcast. Which is good, because I, you know, once I'd got over the fact that you were doing it and I stopped sending you hate mail. Yeah. Um, I, I, we, you know what we should do? We should dig up, like, in the very early days when me and John were like getting like 15 downloads a month or something like that yeah we had this kind of like joking in our heads rivalry with you and i wrote like a comedy sketch about it oh really i should should try and dig it up it's like the basic premise is that you're like sitting in a castle sort of like laughing at us (laughs) (laughs) maybe we can do a dramatic reenactment later this evening wow oh man that's some uh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so you know it's i've always felt that the two shows just coexisted nicely and for me once i've sort of had my you know po-faced kind of serious look at it it's just nice to unwind with an episode of the twilight pone yeah so how are you enjoying yours i mean you do you do so much content now is it how are you finding it right now well i mean i i do the stuff on patreon I, i'm probably going to look at that down the line because it, it takes a lot of time and it, yeah it might be just taking me away from the main show a bit but i still enjoy doing the main show i'm trying to be creative with it um so yeah i still dig it i you know i've got i've still got about 60 episodes left so i'll probably do it until retirement yeah. <laughs> what's your like turnaround time I, I mean i'm interviewing you on your own show but i'm curious like yeah yeah how long does it take you roughly to do one episode start to finish um I'm, I'm a terrible procrastinator these days i'm really bad um you know i'd say a week you know and that's like doing doing a day job and then sort of coming home and sitting there for two or three hours you know probably an hour and a half of that is just googling stuff yeah uh nothing to do with the twilight zone so yeah i just really need to focus kind of thing and, and get back on it well one thing about the 
two jackoffs riffing on a show methodology of podcast making is that it requires very little. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, making all the jingles and everything took a lot of time, but once, yeah. you, once you have your base set, it's, it's not as much, uh, I mean, it is a lot of time. I don't want to undersell it, but yeah. I would imagine you spend more time on yours than we did on ours. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, okay, well, I guess we'll leave it there. You know, maybe later on if we're sitting at a table and we're coming up with something, then uh, we'll chat a bit more. But Fred, man, thanks so much for coming out. It's, it's not at all. Absolute pleasure to My meet pleasure. you. And I'm sure John is sitting in Pittsburgh just covered with children right now <laughs> wishing he could be there. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe Skype him in or <laughs> something. <laughs> all right, man. It is the 10th of October and it is my last day in New York. Man, it is throwing it down. I arrived when it was raining and I'm leaving when it was raining, so I guess it kind of fits. But um, what a journey. I, I just wanted to cap it off in some way. You know, I'll leave it here. I hope all the footage that I've recorded comes to something and it, it makes an enjoyable show. Um, I don't think there's much more I can say on it, you know, Sailing Fest was was such a blast and the, the friendships that were made, the people that I met, uh, the, the programme was great and, you know, like I said to Zach earlier on, the, the people is what made it, you know, I want to say thank you to the Rod Sailing Memorial Foundation because they were all fantastic, all really approachable really welcoming they knew who I was and we're all you know really happy to see me which was great you know even Anne Sailing sent me an email afterwards to say it was nice to meet me and thank you for what I do and wow you, you just can't really put a price on that um, so yeah it was the people that made it there was people there who I recognized from offline and I wish we kind of uh, recognized from online rather and I wish we'd had the chance to speak more um, but the whole trip was a bit of a whirlwind but I'm grateful for the people who came over to say hello even if we didn't go for a drink or go for you know something to eat or what have you there's a lot of people who came over to say hello and that was great um, but then you know everyone seems to gravitate in groups which is which is really cool and and I love my group and I, I would go so far as to say that there are there was people there um, you know some of them you, you kind of wish things could be different and that you weren't separated by thousands and thousands of miles because you, they would be a part of your life in a bigger way um, which is sad but I guess we got to look glass half full and, and think what a what a great time we had so i will leave it there you know and i will sign off on that thank you to everyone involved let's get back to some twilight zone now but let's hear from some friends of the show to say goodbye as well
Hey, this is Nick Parisi, author of Rod Serling, His Life, Work, and Imagination. And I just wanted to chime in on Tom's wonderful coverage of Serling Fest 2019, the TZ at 60. This was the third such event that I've been privileged to be a part of as part of the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation. And I think it was by far our best event yet. And that's judging not just from the attendance, but from the response we've gotten from everybody. It seems that everybody who attended this year had a tremendous time. And I really just wanted to thank everyone that did come out and supported the foundation. You know, all of the guests that we have at Sterling Fest had this year or in past years, none of them uh, receives payment for their appearances. Uh, they all do it out of the, out of the goodness of their hearts uh, to support the Rod Sterling Memorial Foundation. And so every dime that you give to the foundation by buying a ticket or buying a raffle ticket or whatever it may be goes directly to the foundation. And we have so many things that we want to do to honor Rod Serling, particularly in Binghamton, New York, his hometown, but elsewhere as well, that it really does obviously uh, help us in our mission. So, so again, thank you so much to everyone that came to Serling Fest 2019. I hope you come back next year. We learn a little bit each year with these events, so uh, I hope next year will be even better than this year. And if you want more information about the foundation or to keep up on news for next year's Serling Fest, just go to rodserling.com, www.rodserling.com, and you'll be able to get that information. And, again, thank you so much. It was a tremendous event. I had so much fun meeting everybody. We had people from all across the United States as well as Canada. Some people flew in all the way from Ireland. And, of course, Tom made his way across the pond to join us as well. So I was very happy to finally meet Tom and to um, and to uh to hang with him a little bit and uh, to, to meet everybody else too because it was a, a three-day love fest of all things Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. So again, thank you so much, Nick Parisi from the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation. I hope to see you again next year at Serling Fest 2020. Thank you. Hi, I'm Arlen Schumer and I was just recently at the great Serling Fest 19 in Binghamton, New York, Rod Serling's hometown celebrating the 60th anniversary of what I consider not only the greatest television show of all time, but really the father of American popular culture. But I gotta tell you, being in Binghamton with a large number of people who felt the same way about the Twilight Zone as I do, sharing that camaraderie, lecturing to them. I got to do my Twilight Zone multimedia show, seeing Ann Serling and Jody Serling there and knowing you're with the children of Serling himself is such a special, unique feeling. And for it to last for three days and to share so many great experiences, great talks. One of the ones that stood out for me was the one about the Twilight Zone music which I happen to love, and that was really ear-opening, to pun on eye-opening. But there were eye-opening things as well, and I just had such a wonderful, wonderful time, and I can't wait to do it again, next year and onward. This is Chad coming in from Raleigh, North Carolina. Just wanted to say what an honor it was to be able to attend Serling Fest in Binghamton 2019. What an honor it was to get to meet all of the people whose voices I've been listening to on the Twilight Zone podcast now for so many years. It's a show that keeps us steeped in the Twilight Zone, and it was a great honor. And until next time. Tom, this is Mike Lynn from Chicago. 
And I just wanted to thank you again for making it to Sterling Fest. It was great meeting you, and I love the podcast. Also wanted to thank the organizers for a great event. And finally, besides making a lot of new friends, the highlight of my trip was getting over to the carousel and riding on the same horse as Martin Sloan does as a child in my favorite episode, Walking Distance. See you all next year. Hi, Tom. Well, I'm back home, but you're not yet. <laughs> You've got a ways to go. This is Roger from Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. And I just wanted to take a second to uh, say I really enjoyed Serling Fest this year, especially because I had the opportunity to meet you, whom I have been listening to for 10 years, as well as a number of other people that I had not met yet. I mean, Al Scherzma, who you introduced me to on your podcast, who runs the presenting Alfred Hitchcock Presents podcast. But like I said, I think it's the people, meeting you um, and then uh, Shelly and the whole crew coming in from her Facebook and getting together for meals and like you say, going out for a a beer and so forth. Um, Gosh, um, (laughs) I can't imagine them doing it again next year after, you know, the 60th anniversary, but they're talking about it. And you said that you might possibly come back if the stars align. Um, that's a whole lot harder than me. I'm only four and a half hours away, so I think I'd make the trip. But uh, anyway, I don't want to ramble on. Just uh, hello, great to meet you in person, and um, I'm glad you had a good time. Look forward to uh, hearing your podcast again, and uh, I'll sign off for now. Hi, Tom. Al here. It was great to finally meet you in person at Serling Fest. I'm sorry we couldn't spend a little more time together, but it was a great time. I also appreciated meeting Roger, who acted as my temporary Hitchcock agent during the weekend, and Chad, whose wife we never did get to see, and Paul, who I'm still embarrassed about not recognizing from the panel on Friday night, and Andy, who had the best anecdote and best punchline of the weekend, and Ralph, who I met in the parking lot at the hotel and then never saw again, and others, including all the writers, Nick Parisi, Arlen Schumer, Corin Shadme, and Martin Grams Jr. I can't believe I met Martin Grams Jr. I enjoyed the three days of programs. The Happy Place reading was sublime. The Bill Moomy Q&A couldn't have been better. I loved Serling's daughter Jody's description as to how she became a nurse because of her father's last illness. And seeing in praise of Pip on the big screen brought emotions out of me that it never has in all the dozens of times I've seen it on the small screen. But I think what I'll remember best is Saturday morning in Recreation Park, meeting all sorts of people standing out in the sunshine, just talking Twilight Zone, realizing what a family we are and how in you are in the group and how there is such a group where you can mention any Twilight Zone episode by name and people know what you're talking about. And then, of course, finishing that morning off with a ride on the carousel. Couldn't have been better. Thanks for everything, Tom. I'll be listening. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Grace. I'm back in Jacksonville, Florida, safe and sound. Uh, Plenty of humidity and cockroaches, but, you know, that's Florida. (laughs) Just wanted to say I had so much fun at the event this year. It was definitely something to remember the panels and everything were just so well put on and so well done. 
Um, the events that we went to were a lot of fun, but I'd say probably the best part about it was this very bizarre and out of nowhere, just instant familial camaraderie from everyone that I've honestly never felt with another group of people before in my life. It was so wonderful to all be there on basically a pilgrimage to Rod Serling's hometown. It was very much a pilgrimage for myself at least. And it was great to just walk around the city, walk around the town, just kind of take in the atmosphere and the cool weather. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a welcome respite from the uh, pressure cooker temperatures of Florida here. I met so many amazing people. Um, I got to sit down and have beers with and dinner with and talk to and people from all over the United States and honestly all over the world, like Canada, the UK. That's just amazing. I can't believe that we all came together for this one single event and we just instantly had a group of friends and kind of looking back on it now, a few days out from it, it is very bittersweet because we all have to go back to our regular like doldrum everyday lives and that's okay. Hopefully we'll all be able to get together again sometime soon, maybe some other time, but all I know is that regardless of what happens, I'm so, so thankful. Hope everybody had a safe trip home. Everybody take care. Hey, this is Mark Barnhill, thanking everyone who was involved in making Serling Fest one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, wonderful as it was to see Rod's house and walk through his high school and ride the carousel, the moments that I'm sure will stay with me are all about the people I met in Binghamton. So to new friends, particularly Andy, Chris, and Grace, to the guests, Arlen and Martin and everyone, especially Ann and Jody Serling, and most of all, Tom, who really embodies the Serling-esque values we all cherish. It was a great time. It was a fun time. It was a moving time. I'm so glad I was there. I'm so glad you were all there. Let's do this again. Tom, Andy Valentine here. Let me tell you what I learned. What I learned is that for every person who cherishes Hocus Pocus and Frisbee, there's someone who abhors it. And some people say Death Ship represents the apex of season four, where others assign it the nadir of the hour-longs. And, hot take here, Tom, the shelter is actually superior to Maple Street. These were just some of the many parlays that I enjoyed during the 72-hour period to which I have memorialized a bronze marker in my heart with the inlaid inscription, quote, the time of my life, unquote. I'm speaking, of course, about Serling Fest 2019. To celebrate the Twilight Zone along so many other devotees was invigorating. It felt like a benediction. And to see the continued love and respect we all share for Mr. Serling's memory, his work, and his legacy was outright inspiring. Tom, I arrived in Binghamton on Thursday a perfect stranger, and by the time we all parted ways Sunday night, it felt like bidding adieu to a new extended family. I already miss everyone. Over those 72 hours comprising the TZ at 60 celebration, I established memories that I will carry around with me in my back pocket until Kick the Can supplants a stop at Willoughby as my favorite go-to episode. I hope to see everyone next year. First round's on me. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way 
from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you I breathe and live if it isn't Osmond Portafoy. Osmond Portafoy. Portafoy. <laughs>